Johnny Cage, Kano, Luke Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanuse, Mutsdow, Shao Kanpo, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Makabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quanshi, Shinoxo, Rina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Go, Ryo, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Kombat lore from the perspective of a single character. Today, we got a big guest for you. Comedian, TV writer, and creator of the meme of the summer, Antifa Garfield, ladies and gentlemen, Joey Clift. Hey, everybody. My name is Joey Clift. I'm super excited to be on this show. Joey, it's a pleasure to have you, and honestly, also an honor, seeing as I'm a massive Antifa Garfield fan. Um, obviously, all summer, the memes have just been tearing up uh, cyberspace, and it's yeah. it's just it's great to have you here. I'm honestly just excited to pick your brain today. Oh, thanks, man. I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, as comedy writers, it's like it's tough to really look at our work and say that it's important, but Antifa Garfield, I feel like I'm just really changing lives right now, you know? Sure. Antifa Garfield's actually just been a huge help for me during this trying time, and I just want to say I appreciate it, and oh, honestly, thanks. just say thank you. Oh, that, thanks. I, you know, I, once again, you know, I appreciate the kind words. That means a lot coming from somebody like you. Um, it's just, you know, like sometimes you just gotta gotta look at a cartoon character that's been around for a while and think, hey, what if they had a political opinion? And that's what I yeah. did. And now here we are. And uh, honestly, it's just it, it it clicks when things are just true to the uh, character's DNA because it, I, I do yeah. believe that Garfield um, were were Jim Davis still scribing new Garfield tales today. I do believe that his perspective would be one against fascism. Yeah, I, I think that there is a there is a hard fascism bend. Um, I mean, as, as we all know, Odie is a very fascist character in Garfield. Yes. Kicking him off the table. There's a lot of symbolism there that like people don't necessarily get. But, you know, personally, right. I'm just glad. I'm glad that it's all out there. Um, yeah. I guess uh, talking about Mortal Kombat, what, uh, what political affiliation do you think Cyrax has? Cyrax? Um, I actually have a pretty good answer to that. Cyrax is for sure Antifa, and it's actually a huge part of his character in that he's part of a very cult-like fascist organization, the Lin Kuei, that's run by the Grand Master, who very much like uses violence as a tool. Um, there's no democratic body. He's very much in charge of everything the Lin Kuei does. He controls the culture. Um, and it's Cyrax who actually has sort of an awakening as a major crux of his story in which he realizes like, oh, with the cyber initiative, the, uh, if you're not familiar, the Lin Kuei's, the Grandmaster's plan to, to turn everyone in the Lin Kuei, all the ninjas into cyborgs. Um, the Lin Kuei's taking a step too far and it kind of helps him realize like, this is not a culture I want to be a part of. And he actually tries to leave and tragically fails and ultimately winds up becoming a victim of the fascist state of the Lin Kuei. Um, so I would say, uh, pre cyborg, definitely Antifa post cyborg. He's turned into a, a mindless fascist zombie. 
Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, but I feel like didn't he didn't he have like a, an awakening as a cyborg at at, a, at some point and uh, try to like throw off the shackles a little bit? Or am I thinking about Sector? No, you're right. Sector, absolutely not. Sector is like the yeah, Don like, Jr. Se- he's like, like the Don Jr. of the of the Mortal Kombat. He's he's the Grandmaster's son, and he's yeah, totally like, like Sector yeah. is like hard fascist. Sector is oh, you know, hardcore. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, that guy. Dude's that guy licking loves boots. Fascism. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks B zero zero T underscore liquor. He he believes A C A B, but all cops are beautiful. Is what yes. is what Sector thinks. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Cyrax, he does eventually get uh, reprogrammed by. Um, his 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 compatriots right the the good boys sub the second sub-zero uh smoke i believe is part of part of that um oh yeah yeah he does he does eventually come back to the antifa side even as a cyborg which shows you that it's not it's not too late um to change people hey garfield's been around for 40 years and now look at him he's antifa (laughs) as fuck (laughs) yeah dude he fucking goes for it Oh yeah, he hates those cops. <laughs> uh, well, Joey, so I I know that you are, and correct me if I'm wrong, a gamer. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I'm yeah. one of those people that I uh, I was a hardcore gamer growing up. Probably um, up until I was in college. I think I'm somebody that like legit gamed 16 hours a day. God damn. And, uh, and you know, Mortal Kombat was definitely a big part of that. Um, and then um, just a, at a certain point in my life, kind of the time that I spend on games shifted to the time that I spend on comedy writing. Mm. So, um, you know, like I still game a little bit, like not as much as I used to. But, you know, I try to dedicate like a few weekends a year. And then in December, I'll usually give myself a few like a full week to just like dive in and play a game for 60 hours in one week or something like that. What so was the last know, game you did that for? Uh, last game I did that for. I want to say it was what was it? Um, probably uh, XCOM two uh, at the start of quarantine. I uh, like I just I think I got laid off from a, a Quibi show that I was writing on because it got shut down due to due to COVID. And then that day I was just like XCOM two. This feels like the time that I need to dedicate two weeks of my life to this game. <laughs> What'd you play it on? Because ever since it came out on Switch, it's literally just a ticking time bomb until I I buy it. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been playing it primarily on Mac. Um, I Unfortunately, it's it's a little bit glitchier than the original XCOM. So I got oh. all the way to the last mission, had like a really good record. A lot of my guys were like, we're surviving. Um, and I think I like had everything maxed out, you know, like uh, all the all the different stuff. And then I just hit like this kind of game breaking freeze in the cutscene into the last mission. The fuck? And then... When I uh, shut my MacBook down to restart, uh, like two days worth of progress had been lost. And I was like, eh, fuck this game. So I just like watched a, le- a Let's Play video of the final level. And I was like, eh, I guess this is it. But like up until that point, it was really good. Yeah, that's super disappointing, though. I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like, it's, what, what can you do? I mean, I yeah. don't know. And I used that anger to make Antifa Garfield. So, you know, okay. the world. So it worked uh, out. Know. Yeah, it yeah, worked out a, really. This is a cultural you know, net positive. Yeah, cultural net positive. <laughs> <laughs> but up until that point, it's really fun. It's good. It's are you a big XCOM person? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Have you played XCOM two at all? I started it on PS4 and generally find games like that hard to play if I'm not like really close to the screen. 
just like tactical right. games in general. So like Fire Emblem, I played all of on the Switch, mostly in handheld mode, just like right in front of my face. And so uh, I haven't really played XCOM 2, but now that it's on the Switch, unless it is similarly janky on Switch, I'll probably get it there and, and probably get really, really into it there. Yeah, I, I get what you're talking about, especially with like turn-based strategy games like that. It's like you really, I mean, there's so much analyz- analyzing of like, okay, if this guy is here, is he, how much cover is he behind? Like, which way is he facing? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of math that, like, it's it pays, I mean, with a laptop to just be able to, like, get up close and, like, really kind of, like, rotate the screen and stuff like that. Yeah. And it is just, like, I don't know, like, it kind of aids in, I mean, the, tactic, the tactician side of it. It does. Yeah. Um, I, just uh, need, I just need time and focus. So I uh, need the screen to be in my face yeah. and to not have notifications on. Yeah. Uh, semi-related story about that. Uh, you would appreciate this. At the time, I was uh, I was doing a bit where I basically worked with the internet to finish Sufjan Stevens' 50 States project, yes. which is Sufjan Stevens, he's a folk musician who said he was going to make an, uh, an album for all 50 states, and then he quit after two albums and then said the <laughs> whole thing was a joke. And I, uh, just at the start of quarantine, was like, oh, I should get the internet together to, to write 50 states for a full album for every U.S. state. And we did it. It took two months. But, like, legitimately, like, every day for, like, the the probably two or three weeks i was playing xcom 2 i would like wake up at 8 a.m uh start playing xcom 2 for like seven hours stop doing that (laughs) and then i would like open up my excel spreadsheet and literally think to myself of like i'm like it's like it like an xcom 2 whenever anybody looks to you and says like what should we do next commander it's like i felt like that but for bits (laughs) where it's just like now instead of fighting aliens i'm fighting sufian stevens <laughs> wow uh, like it, and you won like it, yeah you beat won, that final mission yeah i beat that final mission but it yeah. felt like it it felt like it scratched the same tactical itch as xcom 2 yeah of course <laughs> yeah, yeah it was like oh i'm the i'm the commander of bits <laughs> dude good job commanding those bits oh thanks man you get it well, knowing knowing that you're a gamer and that MK has been a part of your life, how much do you know about like the Mortal Kombat storyline? Like, were you an MK story guy? Like, when you played the Mortal Kombat games, were you like digging into all of those, uh, you know, character ladder endings and and the, the small amount of cutscenes that we got in like the most recent games, or uh, were you? So, uh, I I would say that my story fandom extended into I think like Mortal Kombat three was the last one that I like really really got into. Um, and then, I mean, I feel like I probably like dabbled with like MK64 and a couple of other MKs after that. But like, I think that I was I was really into the greater Mortal Kombat lore through, you know, like the 90s. And then I think I kind of dropped off. And then every once in a while, I'll kind of chime in. Like when a new Mortal Kombat comes out, I'll read the st- story byline and realize like, oh, Liu Kang's been dead for 10 years and now he's a zombie. What? You know, or like something like that. Yeah, Liu Kang goes through some shit. They really. Oh, yeah. Yeah pretty bonkers he was like the king of hell at one point what yeah that's good for him yeah not super important for today's story but it'll it'll come up a little bit yeah Yeah. i mean that uh, i'm happy he deserves it you know yeah yeah yeah. he looked pretty cool he had like a skull chest plate and like bone armor it's pretty tight dope yeah (laughs) did you play uh did you play the sub-zero side-scrolling game i did and actually the character we're talking about today was debuted in that game (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, that that game kind of sucked, right? (laughs) It was uh, terrible to play, but had these awesome, like, you know how they'd had to have, like, full motion video, like, cutscenes around that time that were all, like, really scary? 
Like just something yeah. about the sets and like the video quality and the music and synthy music they always used was like just unnerving. Yeah. So I and was that, really into that. I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll agree in that like the story the story of it was really interesting and it did a lot to expand kind of Mortal Kombat lore. But it's just like it like it flat out just used the Mortal Kombat engine for like a platformer, yeah, which is like not, not which is not <laughs> what that was built for. No. No. Yeah. 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 Well. uh I feel like we should dive in things. We'll have plenty to talk about, so I can really help you understand the, the framework of, of the character we're talking about today, which is Fujin. Oh, sweet. Um, a favorite of mine. Um, but before we dig into Fujin's story, every season of Mortal Podcast has had a theme. And that theme has been based on uh, one character element that sort of tied the characters introduced that season uh, together. So Mortal Kombat 1... Uh, all the characters introduced in that game were the characters we covered in Mortal Podcast Season 1. We're now right. up to Mortal Podcast Season 4. We're talking about all the characters that were introduced in Mortal Kombat 4. Uh, last season, uh, the characters that were introduced all had a Rebirth story. Rebirth was a part of uh, the story of basically every character introduced in Mortal Kombat 3. This season, in looking at the characters introduced in MK4, I realized that the one thing that binds them all together is a theme of betrayal. Some of them are betrayers. Some of them become betrayed. Uh, we'll see a little bit of that today in Fujin's what? story. Um, but as a prompt to kind of get us in to today's episode, I ask you, Joey, is there a time in your life that you've been betrayed? Uh, I would say that the time in my life that I've been betrayed is... I feel like when Sufjan Stevens said that he was going to make an album for every U.S. date and then yeah. said it was all a joke, that was, I feel like, that was a time where I definitely personally felt betrayed. Sure. And then I used that betrayal to uh, finish his project out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, a simple and straightforward betrayal story yeah. that is endlessly relatable to anyone who felt betrayed by not getting a Florida album out of Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. I'm I, one of those I really people. Feel, yeah, I feel like I... We're basically we're Mortal Kombat characters, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Do you have a favorite state album that came out of that project? Uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's tough because um, I feel like all of them kind of have different charms. Um, the Louisiana album I love because the first track is from like a mom who emailed me that she, because she wanted to make a song with her like kind of elementary school age kids. <laughs> and um the re and she, she her family's not from louisiana it's just her kids one of her kids saw a louisiana state quarter and just said that looks like a fun state i want to visit louisiana so they just like wrote a really fun song about it um that's very sweet like i like the, that <laughs> the, uh, the nebraska album i think is really good got a lot of bangers on that and then weirdly i really like uh we made an album for every u.s state but then just as it means to further dunk on sufjan stevens we made an album for uh we made an ep for washington dc for uh puerto rico and we made uh, a separate album for kind of all u.s territories and then an album for the moon because there's a u.s flag up there so i guess we had to <laughs> and uh the moon album was really good we actually had um stealth olvang from the lumineers submitted a bunch of songs for that album wow um a bunch of yeah. songs yeah yeah i mean two two so more than one more than you'd That's think a member of the impressive. lumineers would submit yeah. for this yes um and then there were a lot of other good songs in that album. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like they're all they're they're all of them are my children who I love equally. Have you made contact with Sufjan since starting this project? Um, I haven't made contact with Sufjan Stevens, uh, but uh, I've heard I've been interviewed by a bunch of different kind of media outlets for it, and um, a couple of them 
have done a lot of other stories about Sufjan Stevens, and they told me that their impression of him is that he's just kind of over talking about the 50 states thing. So I don't, so I don't think that I'm not expecting any kind of comment from him, but I, I'm debating on burning every album onto CD minus R's and then putting them in the mail, mailing them to his record label with a note that just says, you're welcome. Uh, I think then, you should. Yeah. You yeah. Know, just that way. That way, like it'll get, it'll get passed along the grapevine or whatever. Just send it to the record label with a note that says these are ready to publish Sufjan. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a good idea. I think that these yeah. are ready to publish Sufjan. We did your job for you. The best ending is that they all get released as Sufjan Steven albums. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Um, although he um, he just released, um, I think yesterday, or a couple, a couple of days ago, he announced he was releasing a new album. And then yesterday he released the first song off of that album, which is called America. And a lot of people have reached out to me to say, I think he's subtweeting you with this. Yeah, Because he's just definitely. like, he's like, oh, I made a song for America. That covers all of it. So yeah. uh, I, I definitely take that as a personal attack on me. Mm. Well, I guess it's time for you to fight back. Yeah. However, yeah. that needs to happen. The beef uh, needs to be quelled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like, <laughs> it, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I feel like this is going to end with him. uh I'll be walking down the street on Sunset Boulevard and then he's going to jump out of a car and beat me up with a pipe or something. That'd be pretty sweet. It'd be a good story. Yeah, yeah I feel like that'll probably happen. Yeah. That's like, that's where I picture it's going to be him physically attacking me. Yeah, a drive-by pipe beating from Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, I get it. He seems like the, the pipe beating type. He kind of does. I could see yeah, it. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk about, enough talking about Sufjan. Let's talk about Fujin. Yeah. So Fujin is a god. What Got does that it. mean in the context of Mortal Kombat? Well, just to give you a brief refresher, since you said you only kind of track things up through MK3, and this is uh, mythology that got sort of fleshed out I, more afterwards. I, I mean, I know that there are a lot of gods in Mortal Kombat. I know Raiden is a god. Um, aren't there a couple of other gods up to this point? There are. There are several, yeah. but then there are also elder gods, and then there right. are also titans, and then there's also the one being. So it's kind of a whole ecosystem. You just have to have oh. the smallest handle on to understand Fujin's role. I forgot about titans in the, in the one being. Got it, got it. Titans are pretty new. Titans kind of just got introduced. Oh, so okay. basically the way it works is like at the dawn of time, there was the one being, this big celestial being that was just alive and there was nothing else. And then the celestial being, this one being created uh, the elder gods and the Titans, which we only realized recently. Um, the Titans were like, all right, here's the concept of time. Here's the concept of space. I'm the Titan of geometry. And then they then made the elder gods that were like, cool, here's like outer space. Here's like the concept of galaxies, I guess. I don't know. Hard to kind of understand because eventually the elder gods got bored and were like, fuck the one being. We don't like having a boss. And they made these weapons called Kamidogu daggers. And they hacked the one being into many pieces. And those cool. pieces became the dimensions or the realms, as they're usually called in Mortal Kombat. Oh, that uh, it's weird for me to say that makes sense. But that makes sense. It that's, does. That's, 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 a, that's a justification. Yeah. So like Earthrealm is but a glint in the one being's eye. We're like the one being's right. toenail. Um, and then you've got Chaos Realm, Order Realm, the Nether Realm. Uh, you got Edenia. You got Outworld. So... Yeah, there's a vampire realm, there's a dinosaur realm. So, that, I mean, I guess that makes sense in that, like, 
Uh, like, I feel like I vaguely remember something about the worlds kind of, or the, the different realms kind of merging, or I think that like Shao Kahn's goal was to merge the realms or something like yes. that. So it's to awaken the one being, presumably, right? Yeah, it's interesting in that, like, it, it's hard to say how aware of the one being Shao Kahn was at that point, but throughout history, it's noted that there always, eventually, as life sprung up in these realms, would be somebody who had a desire to conquer and merge the realms, and in all likelihood, that was just, like, the influence of the fact that we're all just a piece of the one being, and the desire for the one being to be whole again. So it's a very, like, spiritual uh, sort of fantasy structure where it's like we're standing on a part of the one being but also we're part of the one being and the one being wants to be together again so someone's always trying to merge these realms and the elder gods meanwhile are like well we want to stay the bosses of all of these realms because that's why we hacked up the one being we wanted to rule something uh so keep those so keep those realms apart yeah and that's why they created the mortal Kombat tournament Oh, yeah. they made a rule where you, you had to win 10 tournaments in order to merge your realm with another realm, which is just the easiest way to make sure those realms didn't merge. So, right. So, I mean, with that in mind, there could be a hundred more. There could be thousands of Mortal Kombat's. Yes. And there have there have been uh, yeah. the first video game is actually meant to be the 10th Mortal Kombat tournament between Outworld and Earthrealm after Outworld has already beaten dozens of other realms in 10 uh, fighting tournaments in a row. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so fascinating stuff. But uh, when the Elder Gods did create the realms and did create the Mortal Kombat tournament, they then created these sort of sub-gods that are just called gods, like Raiden, and gave one to each realm as kind of like a defender of that realm. So they were like, Raiden, you're in charge of protecting Earth, but Outworld also has a god in charge of protecting it, which was actually Shao Kahn, who eventually said, fuck being a god, I want to be an emperor, and just like right. laid waste to the realm and took over himself. But the idea that feels, usually... That feels like a downgrade. From god to emperor, it feels like a downgrade. It does. He basically just used that to be able to arm everyone in Outworld and use them as like an, a fighting force to take over other realms. Got it. Um, it's a whole thing. But, uh, yeah, like, generally speaking, the idea would be that, like, Raiden would be in the Sky Temple, up, like, in the heavens, like, above Earth, kind of, like, watching over Earth and making sure nobody fucks with Earth's, like, special energy, um, and eventually recruiting fighters or choosing warriors uh, to fight in a fighting tournament if we were ever challenged to one. Got it. That was the idea. Um, But the thing is, Fujin, as we... Uh, come to learn when we meet him in Mortal Kombat Mythologies Sub-Zero, um, the prequel to Mortal Kombat 4, Fujin is also a god defending Earth. So there was a question for a while of, like, what does that mean exactly? Um, and the, the likeliest answer is uh, this piece of lore. So Raiden's protecting Earth for a long time, and it's all going fine, until Shinnok, one of the Elder Gods, decides hey why did we make all of these realms if we're just gonna like stay up here in like the weird celestial magic space that we're in and just kind of like watch them why don't we go down to ground level and like torture people and do fun stuff isn't that why (laughs) we made these realms yeah that's why we're gods right to torture people (laughs) yeah isn't that like our thing so Uh, shinnok i've got a i've got a question um where does where is Ermek in all this? Is Ermek an elder mm. god? Is he a regular god? 
Ermac is uh, thousands of ghosts crammed into a single body, created as an inf- to be an enforcer for Shao Kahn. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess that I'm yeah. just basing that question on. I feel like in Ermac was MK3, right? Is that where he was yeah. introduced, or is it? Yeah, like just his whenever he would uppercut you, instead of just going up and down, you'd go like up through the ceiling. If you yeah. if he spin kicked you, you'd fly like all the way across the screen. So he just think... he just struck me as a more powerful character than anybody else in Mortal Kombat. I think technically anyone could do that, but you seem to have lost to Ermac a lot. Is what I'm reading in uh, Mortal Kombat Three. <laughs> he was really, he was really hard. <laughs> he was, he was, uh, and he does have telekinetic abilities, which not everybody in Mortal Kombat does. Um, right. But yeah, it's literally like uh, Shao Kahn was like, "I need a new weapon, and I'm a soul stealing dude. Uh, how about I cram like a thousand of these? Yeah, I like, cram a like, bunch of body. ghosts into this suit. That'll do something, right? Yeah, and not really. He's pretty ineffective, Ermac. He's kind of just like a bodyguard dude. Yeah. And eventually kind of looks more like a mummy than anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Being full of ghosts will do that to you, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that said, I, I do I do really enjoy Ermac. I like Ermac. Yeah. Ermac's cool. Uh, shout yeah. out to the Nicole Thurman episode about Ermac. Oh, shit. If you're interested in learning more. Um, so anyway, Shinnok is like, fuck this. I'm abandoning the Elder Gods and making my own secret backdoor portal to Earthrealm. And I'm going to go try to like conquer the realms myself. It creates this huge civil war among the Elder Gods, um, and eventually it is Raiden himself, even though he's not as powerful as an Elder God, he has to take on Shinnok, um, and he and the other Elder Gods successfully bind Shinnok uh, into the Nether Realm, which was like the Hell Realm, where right. uh, where the god of the Nether Realm, Lucifer, was meant to hold <laughs> Shinnok and torture him forever. And um, meanwhile, Shinnok's amulet, which is what he had used to travel between wherever the Elder Gods live and Earthrealm, uh, was sealed away in the special temple called the Temple of the Elements in Earthrealm to be guarded by Raiden. So I believe Fujin was basically basically created as like an auxiliary god, like an assistant god slash uh, little brother that, that to makes Raiden. Sense. So, so basically Raiden's job... It's like Raiden was sort of like, hey, I'm really busy guarding this amulet. Can you, like, fill in for me and, like, watch Earth for a little while? It's kind of a flip. It was actually oh, more it. like Raiden was like, my job's to protect Earth. Shinnok has a specific grudge against Earth, and I need a god to basically 24-7 be guarding this amulet to make sure Shinnok never escapes. So Fujin was created as basically like a little brother to Raiden. Um, he has wind powers, whereas Raiden's the god of thunder. And uh, Fujin stayed at the Temple of the Elements, along with a few other element-powered beings, uh, to protect this amulet. And that's kind of what's up with Fujin when we meet him in the Mortal Kombat games. He's hanging out. He's guarding this uh, amulet. Um, but at the same time, he kind of has a social life. He apparently like pals around with the gods from other realms because... Um, that, that was going to be my, my main question <laughs> about Fujin was going to be like, all right, so what does he do for fun? So to answer your question, for fun, as far as we know, he, uh, he has a fun little wind crossbow, but also he kind of just like goes to other realms and chats with the gods because the only friend we know that he has is uh, the god Argus, who's the god that protects Edenia, which is like a beautiful realm of hot people who do magic and live forever. Um, And so Fujin's like buddies with Argus, and specifically with Argus's children, Taven, 
and Dagon, who will come up later. Oh, but, uh, not for not for a little bit. Um, yeah. But that's kind of just all Fujin's doing for a while. He's like hanging out at the tower. He's guarding the amulet, but no one's really coming for the amulet. And then he's going and hanging so out with the other gods. And so he's like a museum getting... security guard or whatever. That's yeah, just like, he's a yeah, pub I don't know. Nobody's going to try to steal his mummy or whatever. So like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a classical Paul Blart. Yeah. Um, also yeah, in that Kombat he Paul constantly Blart, uh, fucks up, as we will come to learn. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So so one day, Fujin's hanging out, right? He's guarding the amulet. And all of a sudden, he hears uh, a bunch of screaming and like people gurgling as their throats are getting slit. And he's like, oh, what's going on? So he walks around the Temple of Elements, and he sees this ninja, Sub-Zero, uh, specifically the first Sub-Zero, Bihan, uh, who is vicious, ruthless killer. Uh, he sees him roll up and say, hey, I want that amulet. I've been hired uh, to collect that amulet. Uh, it's mine. Give it. This wait, I'm, ne- <laughs> wait, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you real quick. So, yeah. um, at, like, playing Mortal Kombat Mythologies, I vaguely... How many Sub-Zeros were there? In Mortal Kombat Mythologies, there's only one. The second yeah, Sub-Zero it's the one did that, not like, appear... He doesn't, have, he doesn't have the hood, but he's got the red thing over his eye. Correct. And that's presumably the Sub-Zero that you play as an MK3 or 4 or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and two. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah, yeah. this Bihan ultimately died at the first Mortal Kombat tournament. Oh, Sorry, the I first Mortal this. Kombat Games this. tournament. Yeah. But um, but at this time, basically, the Lin Kuei was just like taking on missions from anyone. And this necromancer from the Nether Realm named Quan Chi, he showed up and said, Hey, uh, Lin Kuei, I would like to hire you to get this amulet for me. No reason. I just want it. Don't ask too many questions. And they were like, yes, we'll send our best ninja. We will send Bihan. We'll send like, Sub-Zero. Does this, pay? Get does this yeah. pay? And then he said yes. And they were like, we'll take it. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Sub-Zero shows up to steal the amulet. And Fujin is like, oh, shit. Uh, all right. I guess I guess I got to fight you to protect it. Boy, no one's ever come to get this thing before. Uh, and Fujin fights Sub-Zero. But as we know, the first Sub-Zero is an insane, insanely talented fighter. Uh, and he winds up beating Fujin's ass. Fujin tries making like a wind tornado uh, to capture Sub-Zero and Sub-Zero kicks him in his own wind tornado and Fujin's body literally gets ripped to shreds in his own tornado. Wow. What a, what, what a gaffe, am I right? It's this like a how major embarrassing. gaffe. It's a classic Paul Blart uh, trip yeah. while climbing out of your Segway. Yeah, moment. he's Mortal Kombat Paul Blart. This is really yeah. just really making me think... That's not changing my mind on that. No, yeah, and I don't think your mind's going to change at all because Fujin's story is very much not over. There's plenty more time to make huge mistakes. Great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So Fujin, you know, after getting ripped to pieces, he's a god, so he's not dead. He just has to basically reassemble himself and heal for a long, long time. So he decides, I'm just going to stay on the sidelines. That ninja took the amulet. My job is basically over. Nobody knows where the amulet is. I can't protect it. Uh, Raiden's on top of it. I'm just going to hang out in this fabric between where the Elder Gods live and the Earth Realm. So he's kind of hang- hanging out in like a heavenly type space, just killing time. Uh, yeah, so and- he moved back in with his parents, basically, and he's just like laying low. It's even sadder than that because it's like he couldn't even live with his parents because you can only be with the Elder Gods if you are an Elder God. So it's kind of like living in the crawl space of your parents' house. 
Classic Paul Blart. Classic Blart. Yeah, so yeah, Fuji's yeah. living in Celestial Crawl Space uh, until the amulet thing comes back to bite him. Shinnok shows up. Fuck. He has escaped from the Nether Realm with the help of Quan Chi and the help of the Lin Kuei. Um, and he's ready to wage war on the Elder Gods and destroy Earthrealm. Oh, first shit. things first. First things first, he immediately storms for where the Elder Gods live. He's like, I want to kill those guys. They locked me up in the Nether Realm, and it sucked there. I had to live under literally Lucifer, and presumably also Lil Nicky from the movie Lil Nicky. Yeah, I mean, and, we all uh, know we all know Lil Nicky's canon in the Mortal Kombat universe. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, if there's like any character from any movie that's also canon in Mortal Kombat, it's definitely Lil Nicky. Yeah, I buy that. I 100% buy that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Shinnok's pissed about having to hang out with Lil Nicky, and he comes to wage war on the Elder Gods. But first, he has to get through Fujin because Fujin's hanging out in the crawl space, and uh, they fight. Fujin, presumably, when Shinnok come in, Fujin like lifted his head up and like bust like dusted the cheeto dust off of his stomach yeah. and he was just like what he's like oh frick freaking shinnok oh dang hold on a second he's like and oh jeez yeah. oh sorry let me put my belt on oh oh man this is embarrassing <laughs> exactly yeah don't tell people how i live <laughs> <laughs> please don't tell people um yeah well yeah, Fujin was somewhat successful in that he did successfully stop Shinnok from making it to the Elder Gods enough that Shinnok was like, "Fuck this, I'll just go right to Earthrealm." Um, but Fujin oh, did plummet. He did. He plummeted a horribly bruised, beaten, and bloodied uh, to to Earthrealm, where he collapsed in a heap on the ground in front of Earth's greatest warriors and said, "Shinnok is coming." Uh, a moment that was like completely ripped off. Um, in in the the Avengers films, you know the whole Thanos is coming thing. Oh who, who yeah, did yeah. that? What was it? In Endgame, Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, it's Endgame. It was. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. No, it was, it was Infinity War. It was the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was it was the Hulk, but I feel like there was also like some. I mean, didn't like some Asgardian do that too? I don't know. Like, but yeah, regardless. Yeah, probably. They're all they're all, they're all stealing from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's, that's a blatant ripoff from MK. I mean, some people are going to say it was a part of the original Infinity Gauntlet comic that the Silver Sh- Surfer yeah, showed up and was like, Thanos is coming. Those people are dumb but, as shit. Yeah, those people suck. <laughs> yeah, they're trash. Uh, yeah, they're trash. It's from Mortal people. Kombat. Garbage people, yeah. Yeah, so Fujin lands. He goes, oh, Shinnok is coming. And Raiden's like, fuck. Got to get the squad back together. This is my friend Liu Kang. This is a movie star named Johnny Cage. This is a cop named Sonya Blade. Um, but she's kind of like an X-Files sort of cop. So, you know, she's different. Uh, and Fujin's like, great, nice to meet you guys. I definitely won't screw this up this time. Um, so Shinnok like, oh, I can't comes wait to, to see Earth. how this goes. <laughs> he comes to Earth. He, like, fights everyone. But uh, Fujin looks around and is like, well, you guys really know what you're doing. Because Liu Kang just, like, beats Shinnok's ass. Um, and they successfully seal him away in the Nether Realm yet again without Fujin really contributing much of anything. Like, basically, Fujin's job was to be on the sidelines and say, like, whoa, whoa, that yeah. was a good punch. That was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, like, nice one, Kang. Yeah. So the Elder Gods take a look at what happened, and they're like, Raiden, ceaselessly you have served us. You've protected Earthrealm. You've defeated Shinnok two times. Raiden, we're promoting you. From now on, you will become an Elder God. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. He totally earned it. And then yeah, Raiden's like... Yeah, he deserves like, it. He worked real hard. That's a good yeah, promotion. He put in the hours. 
And and Raiden's like, cool, who will defend Earthrealm now? And the Elder Gods are like, ah, shit. Um, yeah, I guess Fuj- like Fujin. Fujin was just like, Fujin was just like, what about me? I'm can can I get promoted? And everybody yeah. was like. Damn it! I mean, it's like I've actually been for I've served this company for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just feel like I I'm owed this. And uh, and everybody else was just like, uh, I mean, like according to the union rules, if we don't promote him, he would be able to sue us. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they they had no choice. They they give yeah. Fujin the role of being Earth's uh, new defender, basically taking Raiden's place. And that's uh, that's Fujin's new job. Big promotion, big deal for him. As a little brother of a god, he's now finally ascended to like true godliness. A couple of years pass, and then Liu Kang gets murdered under <laughs> Fujin's watch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I've heard. I'd heard of this mm-hmm. in kind of the Mortal Kombat mythos of like Liu Kang dying at some point, but I didn't know it was Fujin's fault. I mean, look, it's not directly his fault. It's not like he did it. It's not like he was there that day. But it was definitely like, look, he was the person protecting the defenders of Earthrealm. He has one job, and he failed to protect the one person who has, in single combat, defeated Shinnok. <laughs> right. Uh, what the what the fuck, Fujin? What the fuck? Yeah, basically what had happened was uh, Shang Tsung, who was a great sorcerer uh, who had represented Outworld for many years and was the main adversary at the first first World Combat Combat. Tournament Liu Kang fought in. Yeah, Um, He teamed up with Quan Chi, that necromancer I mentioned earlier. And they were like, hey, we're two strong wizards. Like, Why are we serving other people? We should team up and form a deadly alliance of our own. And they did, and then they just literally showed up at Liu Kang's house and snapped his neck. That was what was it. their... Did their deadly alliance have a fun name? Yeah, the deadly alliance. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. So they... Yeah. Uh... Uh, those two are not they're not the wittiest of people no no they're much more focused on like raising the dead and consuming the souls of the living yeah but like they could raise the dead they could raise a dead writer and have a writer come up with a better tag team name than that they wouldn't even have to raise a dead one they could literally just like intimidate because at this point they'd killed the only person who was really protecting earth all these years they could have just done whatever they wanted yeah yeah i mean why couldn't they have been called like the skeleton brothers or something (laughs) skeleton brothers would have been pretty tight yeah, that's dope There's still though. time to add Skeleton Brothers to Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, Fujin fails to keep Liu Kang alive. Liu Kang fucking croaks. And Raiden literally has to come down from the Elder Gods place <laughs> and say, like, uh... I'm just going to... I'm just going to take my role back protecting Earthrealm, Fujin, if if you don't mind. And Fujin was like, yeah, no, that's probably a good idea. And Fujin <laughs> fully goes back to the crawl space. <laughs> He's just like, look, uh, we both knew this was going to happen when you gave me the job. Yeah, we, we knew this is how things were going to play out. I think we all learned an important lesson here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back to my parents crawl space. Yeah. Don't tell people how I live. Paul yeah. Blart out. Yeah, exactly. So Fujin's back in the crawl space, just kind of watching Raiden thrive. Raiden takes down the Deadly Alliance. Raiden takes down this guy named the Dragon King Onaga, who's not going to come up again today. And uh, things are going pretty well until Raiden himself becomes corrupted. What? In fighting, in fighting off these heinous forces, 
he had to actually explode himself and expel all of his energy and then remake himself from nothingness. And the process of doing that fucked him up pretty bad. Uh, so, I think I've seen, I think I've seen this gif. <laughs> I think I, I think I've seen a gif of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He becomes dark Raiden who is uh, ruthless to the extent that he has reanimated Liu Kang as a zombie and is puppeteering Liu Kang's dead body to slaughter his enemies instead of imprisoning them. And not just his enemies, but anyone he sees is like sliding him. Like a dude like uh, accidentally spills his coffee on like Raiden's shoes. Raiden's like, zombie Liu Kang, take that dude out. And zombie he, Liu Kang shows up like drooling with his chains and like chokes the dude to death. Yeah. So does he call himself Dark Raiden? Yeah. God. He does, yeah. Somebody, somebody really needs to just like hire a, a writer yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just like just like somebody to like have a better it's like and also like what was the i really want to know what the conversation was between shang Tsung and that other guy when they came up with the name the deadly alliance like did they have the conversation of like what should we call ourselves mm-hmm. uh and how big of how big of a part of moral combat lore is this was this a full game mm-hmm. this was a whole game yeah this is yeah. moral combat colon deadly alliance yeah yeah, yeah. great yeah <laughs> <laughs> great 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is. Dark Raiden showed up. He was like, I'm goth now. He started doing fucked up shit. And Fujin realized he had to intervene. So he comes back down to earth and he's like, I've got to save my friend and my older brother Raiden. Uh, but. And this went well, soon, right? This went great. Oh, buddy. Oh, geez. This oh, is the no. biggest beef of them all. Huh. So Fujin is like, I got to help Raiden. At least I know I have all the time in the world. And as soon as he gets down to Earth, who should he bump into but his old friends, Taven and Dagon. What? Taven and Dagon, as you may recall, are the, the sons of Argus, the god who defended uh, Edenia many, yeah, many only, years ago. His only friend. Yeah, but Argus has been dead for, at this point, thousands of years. What? And as far as Fujin knew, so were Taven and Dagon. But what Fujin finds out when he bumps into his old pals is that uh, aeons ago, Taven and Dagon were cryogenically frozen, and Argus put into effect a plan where should uh, the world's furies, the world's energies ever become too imbalanced, um, a pyramid would rise in Edenia called the Pyramid of Argus, and the overpowered warriors of the world would come together to fight at the pyramid, and whoever made it to the top would basically uh, fight it like a fire demon and take on the power of the one being and end reality so it could be created anew. Wait, this sounds a lot like a Mortal Kombat tournament. It does, but it's definitely more like the prize is becoming the one being, so it's slightly different but it makes a great plot for a Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, oh, is everything in Mortal Kombat solved with a tournament? Yeah, kind of. At least, like, a fight-off. <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. At least a series of one-on-one fights. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Why can't they mix it up and have, like, a kart racing game every once in a while or something? Funny you should ask. This game had a Mortal Kombat kart racing mini game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, actually, I remember this. I, I definitely Motor Kombat. This. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, good. Good. They took my note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're definitely, like, on the same wavelength as the Mortal Kombat games. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, what um, other tournaments could there be? Yeah. So, 
so Fujin like bumps into these boys and he's like, oh, Taven Dagon from the Argus family. I was a family friend. Remember Uncle Fujin? And they're like, yeah, listen, Unc, um, we really got to get to this pyramid and we have to end the world. And he's like, what? End the world? No, he's hold like, on. What? You can't do that. I'm trying to save my buddy Raiden. And they're like, sorry, man, it's happening. So uh, Fujin, you know, he tries to reason with his old buddy Tave, but uh, unfortunately there was just nothing doing. The apocalypse was going to happen. The battle of Armageddon was going to happen. And so ultimately Fujin has no choice but to show up at this pyramid join in this epic fight among every character that had ever been introduced in Mortal Kombat and uh, ultimately die there. He didn't make it anywhere near the top of that pyramid. I, I feel like if you're Fujin at this point, like, you know that you're not great at fighting. Yeah. Why would you? I feel like I feel like the, the, the better move would just be to say, like, I'm going to sit this one out. Like, mm-hmm. clearly there are better fighters. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know. I think he'd met these, he'd run into these boys who, you know, he had a, he had a relationship with. I mean, they're adults now, but they were like, yeah. you know, he knew them when they were children. He was a family friend and uh, he heard what they said. They'd been cryogenically frozen so that they could be unfrozen so that one of them could fulfill their destiny of uh, making it to the top of that pyramid and ending reality. And I think he felt a certain sense of responsibility to try to get in there and uh, assert himself in the situation and protect these these people that he really cared about. Um, yeah, but I knew what you're talking in, about. In classic Fujin uh, fashion, he he fucked up. He lost pretty bad. I think he got like a spear through the mouth or something. But uh, he, he <laughs> cool. died. Classic yeah. food. Cla- class. That's also how Paul Bart three is gonna end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has no, there not been a just... third one yet? I mean, I, I guess mean, the uh, Zookeeper is more of an unofficial follow up. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like when they did a fish called Wanda and then they did, was it dangerous creatures, beautiful creatures, yeah. fierce creatures, same cast, but a different story. Yeah. It's like technically, it's not exactly the same characters, yeah, but uh, regardless, like yeah. To Blart. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Paul Blart's going to die by getting a spear through the mouth regardless. Yeah. Probably thrown by like Bobby Cannavale or something. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. He may have already been in a Paul Blart movie. I, I honestly can't remember. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll save that Battle conversation for we'll save that conversation yeah. for the Paul Blart cast that we're both starting. <laughs> Honestly, I'm interested. Two episodes and we're out <laughs> until they make another movie. I um, mean, that'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would yeah, love to spend time. like a full year hyping the Paul Blart cast. Um, that we will be covering every Paul Blart movie on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, two, two episodes. And we'll, yeah, and we'll say like one episode, one full length episode for every Paul Blart movie, the entire yeah. Paul Blart compendium. Uh, yeah, we can make like posters for it. We can mm-hmm. get cameos from Paul Blart cast members talking about how they're excited to hear about the movie. Yeah, make a Kickstarter asking for one million dollars to fund <laughs> the podcast. I mean, I'm down. That sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> then eventually shut it down and say that we've like gotten money from like the North Korean government to do it instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we finally release it, and it's just kind. Of, it's like half Paul Blart and half very passionate North Korean propaganda. I think that's the move. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that that's. I think <laughs> that we're being responsible with our abilities and platforms to do that. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of Fujins over here, just trying to do the right thing. <laughs> so, yeah, just just living in crawl spaces. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, th- this is an audio medium, but, but everybody listening to this should know that 
Ben and I are recording this from the crawl spaces of our houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in excruciating pain. I'm, I'm six two and a half. I don't really fit very well into the crawl space below my house. Um, it's also just a concrete slab, so I actually can't move my arms or legs. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, and I, uh, I got ripped apart by a tornado, so now like just, I'm just body parts waiting to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Hellraiser style, just a, yeah. just a hand crawling towards the microphone to try to adjust levels. Yeah, so you know that's yeah. that's what we're about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, where were we? Fujin uh, died. He fully died at the ba- Battle of Armageddon, um, which is the end of Fujin's story. Really? That, like he didn't in come that back? timeline? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what happened, right? Uh, who wait, should make would, it? Wait, why did he? So, like, why did he, why when he got ripped apart by a tornado, mm-hmm. was he able to come back? But when he got a spear through the mouth, he was dead. Honestly, better not to ask too many questions. I guess like, <laughs> probably, the, probably the clearest answer I could give you was maybe he wasn't dead, but, like, horribly wounded in the kind of way where he would need, like, decades to heal again like he did last time. But the battle ended before that happened, as did all of time itself. Got it. So he was he was dead to us. He was he wasn't dead literally. He was dead figuratively. Got it. Yeah, he was he was dead enough to be of no use to anybody in that moment. And Got so it. Um, I'd say even living, he wasn't of any use to anybody. Am I right? Sure seems that way. Yeah. <laughs> waka fucking waka. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, Raiden Raiden and Chao Khan make it to the top of the pyramid. They're the two that eventually wind up doing battle to see which one of them will absorb the power of the one being. And uh, Shao Kahn, who, as we've established, is a god and emperor and a megalomaniac, is actually the one who defeats the fire god, takes on the power of the one being, and is about to end existence as we know it and create a new, like, horrible empire of pain. When uh, Raiden manages to send a message back in time to his younger self, a message that will give his younger self the information that he needs to make choices that will protect the people from this horrific ending to the timeline. Um, At least that's what he was planning to do, but he only had like one and a half seconds before Shao Kahn squished his head with a giant warhammer like his head was just a Gallagher watermelon. Oh, yeah, I've seen that gif. It's fun. Yeah. Also, also, this is a very, I mean, (laughs) not that, not that, not that Mortal Kombat would steal from anything because we know it's perfect fiction. Sure. But, this sounds very similar to the plot of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the second Bill and Ted movie. Well, I think Ed Solomon himself has gone on record saying that Mortal Kombat was a huge influence on him writing yeah, Bogus Journey. I, I think that makes sense. I think that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. I'll try to get him on. I do. Ed's someone I would love to get on the show sometime, so I'll, I'll definitely confirm with him that that's yeah. the case on the show. I, but uh, I think that's good. I think that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain he's gone on record in Maxim Magazine, in a Maxim Magazine interview saying saying that he was hugely influenced in bogus journey by mk3 yeah i think that that's yeah. i mean look we all remember this ed solomon solomon interview mm-hmm. you know the dvd commentary where like probably a good chunk of the dvd commentary was just him humming the mortal Kombat theme then just like, naming his favorite characters quietly under his breath during important <laughs> expositional scenes in the movie yeah that is i do want to watch a director's commentary track where the director just politely watches the movie <laughs> and then if <laughs> And then if the writer chimes in to offer any insight, he just shushes them. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch. 
Yeah, yeah. You just talked I'm over. Hold on, I'm gonna rewind. <laughs> your copy of the movie rewinds too. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you were saying chaos so, commentary. So, so uh, Ra- Raiden has two set or one and a half seconds to to shout he has something. One and a half seconds. Head. Yeah. So he sends a message back in time to young Raiden, circa like Mortal Kombat two, and that message is, he must win. Which is very vague and not particularly helpful because he yeah. was not able to specify who must win. And so what it did was it created a new timeline where everyone kind of made new choices based off of Raiden trying to interpret a message from future Raiden. Like he must win, so we know that so we know that it's a misogynistic message and it must be yeah. a, so so sorry, Sonia. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It couldn't be Sonya. It couldn't be Katana. Couldn't be Katana. I mean, it couldn't be Molina. It couldn't be Molina. So, honestly, like, what a what a real asshole message, Dark Raven, Raiden. Yeah, honestly, like, look. At the end of the day, it kind of made sense because what he meant was Shao Kahn must win, because then the Elder Gods will intervene or something. But it ultimately doesn't matter for Fujin's story, so it's fine. Fujin basically gets a new lease on life. He gets a whole new timeline where he can make different choices. He can make better choices. And he can uh, make something of himself for the first time. Um, and he also fails to do that just in new ways. So <laughs> Good, good, good. I was about so to this... say, like, like, oh, like I'm excited to see this new Fujin really take the world by... Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'll say this. In the new timeline, new Fujin uh, is, a, is a sweeter person who you really feel for. Oh, that's so nice. so here's kind of what happens for Fujin in this timeline. In this new timeline, Fujin uh, fucks up with the amulet at the Temple of the Elements, and Sub-Zero gets it again. But instead of retiring to the crawl space, Fujin says, I just saw an in- interesting glimpse of humanity. That was a human being who came and beat me up and kicked me into my own tornado. And he made choices, and he made mistakes, and that's compelling to me. I haven't really taken the time to think about humanity in this realm that I am supposed to be protecting. Instead of retiring to the crawl space, I'm going to give up my duties to protect everyone, and I'm just going to go and observe humanity and just oh. see how people live. I'm that not going to get involved. I'm not going to live like a person, but I'm going to just go down to the mortal plane and walk around like an invisible ghost and observe so interested. this is his that makes sense so that's his eat pray love moment right yeah 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 got it he's like i'm going to watch pray love yeah but like yeah. quietly and alone yeah for hundreds of years like he deserves <laughs> yeah so uh that's what fujin does but that can't keep shinnok from invading so even though uh fujin said like peace i'm good i'm gonna go live among the people, uh, he eventually catches wind that Shinnok has come to Earthrealm, the stolen amulet has allowed him to be resurrected once more, and he's now coming directly to Raiden's Sky Temple with the intention of poisoning Earth's Jinsei chamber, which is where Earth's like energy and balance exists. So Fujin says, I gotta go help Raiden, it's time for me to get involved again. He shows up at the Sky Temple, and he and Raiden battle all these Netherrealm demons and these revenants. Um, and they do manage to defeat Shinnok and trap him in his own amulet. It's a success. Good job, Fujin. Wow. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. He, he genuinely contributed to stopping Shinnok from taking over the Earth. And then 20 years pass. And uh, among that time, Fujin's still living among the Humes. 
until uh, he gets summoned to Raiden's Sky Temple once more. Raiden says, Fujin, I have an urgent matter to discuss. I need your help. There have been a series of violent murders on Earth uh, involving blood magic and the use of Kamidogu daggers. You remember the Kamidogu oh, daggers? Oh, shit. Yeah, they were the Wait, weapons so the would... uh, Elder Gods made to, to break up the realms. Yeah, but I guess why being. would you... That feels like overkill to kill a human with a Kamidoku dagger. It does. They're normal-looking daggers when they exist on Earth, but they do have powerful and dangerous blood magic. Um, but it's kind of a mystery. It's like, who's doing this? What's their intention? It must be some kind of demon. Um, so, I, feel like that's a, I feel like that's a safe thought to jump to in anything in Mortal Kombat. Of like, yeah, yeah. it's probably a demon. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's a, a demon or some kind of megalomaniacal figure under the influence of the one being trying to reassemble himself. Or something. Yeah, well, we get it. Whatever. And here, look, it's a, it's a really interesting question, though, right? Like, does the one being have the right to be reassembled? Like, if we're technically living on the one being, if we've created a whole civilization here, do we deserve our rights in our existence any more than the one being deserves to be whole again. Um, I think that you bring up a good point, and now I'm fully on the one being side. Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, yeah. It's like, we gotta, we gotta decolonize the one being. We gotta give him, it's like, mm-hmm. look, I'm enrolled Cowlitz, I'm Native American, we always want to, we have, like, taking our land back's a big part of it. I'm fully on the one being side. Yeah. He's just an indigenous person that wants his fucking toes back. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's like a, a, boy, it's like a cosmic horror take on the uh, colonization story of, yeah, of existence. So, so yeah, now, now, now I've switched fully to fuck everybody else. Yeah, yeah. We are but one dimension uh, that is a part of it and in a single indigenous person who deserves to exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's now the story of Mortal Kombat to me. We're the bad guys. Yeah. And Shao Kahn, I got the right idea. Yeah. <laughs> which, Shao Kahn's, Shao which Kahn's makes just it, trying to help. Shao Kahn's yeah, just which, an ally, you know? And it makes it extra complicated that in Mortal Kombat 11, they gave him a lot of Donald Trump's dialogue to make a point about the kind of leader that he is as a person. Oh, yikes. <laughs> really muddles everything. <laughs> wait, does he, wait, does he all of a sudden say, like, huge uh he doesn't say usually like, he definitely like, says make outworld like, great again <laughs> he's like uh like hey shinnok give me one of those hamburgers yeah yeah he says kofefe um <laughs> no Mortal Kombat 11 does get like very I, i've had the writer on the show before he's a really good he's a really good very like aware dude um, and they definitely tried to like as much as possible have like progressive messaging in the game and i do find it very interesting that like Outworld, this is a complete sidebar conversation, but it's one of the things I find most interesting about the game. Outworld is presented as like this horrifying place that's like dangerous and full of dark magic that Shao Kahn rules over. The whole situation with Outworld is that it used to be lush and beautiful. Shao Kahn was the god that was supposed to be protecting it. He decided to take it over instead. He sapped all of its energy and climate changed it so that it's a horrible wasteland. Then he started conquering other realms and absorbing them into Outworld. So the boundaries of Outworld just kept expanding and different groups of indigenous people from these different realms were then thrown into this one land where they were all mixed together and subservient to this horrible like god emperor figure and then he ultimately has a goal of then bringing all the realms together so that the one being can be whole again which is how things were in the first place it's like really complicated and wild i i, I really love the idea of 
inserting progressive viewpoints into a video game series about a murder tournament. Yes. <laughs> it's like, we got to make sure that we've got the right politics on our yeah. murder game. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know, man. It's wild. You should play Mortal Kombat 11. It's a very fascinating game. Yeah, I should. It's like taking the scale of like the Marvel movie storytelling and putting it onto like the Mortal Kombat saga because it's like a lot of cutscenes very lavishly produced ones right but that, that is something that i appreciate about like especially game series that you know have existed for you know 20 25 years at this point or whatever maybe mm-hmm. 30 years close to 30 and um i think that like mortal kombat you know even the first mortal kombat it's like you kind of sensed that there was even though it's like i'm sure the story on it was written as a very quick oh what's a justification for like this tournament for, to happen in a way that like 12 year olds would love You'd be um, surprised. I actually had one of the creators of Mortal Kombat on, and like for him, it was really about creating a very cool like fantasy mythology. <laughs> oh, dope! <laughs> from the, from literally the very beginning, I was shocked because it does feel like a lot of the stuff came up later. But from the very beginning, he was like, my biggest influences were uh, like kung fu movies of the '60s and '70s and Star Wars. <laughs> dope. That's yeah. cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that I get. It. I mean, I, but I feel like there are other games where it's like. I mean, there's there's an effort to, like, mythologize Pac-Man, where it's like yes. you give Pac-Man or Tetris this, like, epic backstory, and it's like, no, this is, like, a half-eaten pizza that's, like, eaten dots. I don't know. It's like, the, yeah. I, I think that, you know, like, Nintendo does a lot with, like, The Legend of Zelda, where it's like, originally Legend of Zelda had, like, kind of a backstory, but now it's this sprawling Lord of the Rings epic, when originally the storyline for it was, like, three sentences in an instruction manual, yeah. you know? You're a nice little boy, and there's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, there's a bad guy, and he looks kind of like a pig. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as all bad guys do. Yeah. A cab. Anyway. Um... Oh yeah, a cab. All <laughs> cops are beautiful. Oh no, never mind. I got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, all cops are. I'm trying to think of a Garfield character that has a, a B in their name. Uh, all, all, all cops Bodie. are blur blurmal. Blurmal. <laughs> yeah. um, look, it's not it's not a coincidence that Odie always licked John's boots when he came into the house. Uh, so. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that fully. <laughs> Boy, where did we leave off? Fujin stopped uh, Shinnok. He did a good. Yeah. And then 20 years passed, and Raiden was like, people are getting murdered with Kamidogu daggers. Help me find out what's happening. Right. So he says to Fujin, I need you to go to the Nether Realm. I suspect it's that motherfucker Quan Chi again. I think he's trying to free Shinnok. It's got did something he, to do with the Kamidogu daggers. Did, did, was he quoted as saying, I'm pretty sure it was that fuck? Yeah, it was that fuck Quan Chi. I want you to go Patriot Act on his ass, go down to the Nether Realm, and just spy on it. And yeah, just beat his ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Fujin oh, goes be- down there. He goes to the Nether Realm. He like watches Quan Chi, uh, and like Quan Chi's doing nothing. He's just like hanging out. So he comes back and he's like, "Yeah, Raiden. I don't know, man. It's it's not Quan Chi. That's not what's happening." Uh, so Fujin comes back, and Raiden is like hey man totally makes sense don't worry i have a new plan i'm gonna cut myself with one of these kamitoku daggers <laughs> and i'm gonna use that magic uh that blood magic to try to like draw in whoever the demon is that's responsible 
And Fujin's wait, like, I don't wait, think that that's like, like a bad idea. That's like not a good idea, man. And then Raiden just like cuts his hand and both he and Fujin immediately are like, oh God, the worst pain I've ever felt. I feel it in my bones and my nerves. <laughs> Fujin's like, why did you do that? And Raiden's like, I know it was a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm very dumb. Yeah. And, uh, and Fujin's like, whatever, man, are you okay? Did you find the demon? And Raiden's like, no, I didn't find the demon. Why are you on my case, Fujin? Fuck you, Fujin. And then he like <laughs> throws Fujin into a wall and impales him on a pole and walks away. And Fujin's like, damn, we got Dark Raiden all over again in this timeline now. What oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he dies. <laughs> well, or, or so does Fujin's does, like. Does he survive that? Does he survive getting impaled on a pole? Oh, he God. does. Yeah, he's fine. He's like impaled against the wall, and he's like, "Fuck, this sucks. I'm impaled really high up. How do I get? How do I get down from here?" <laughs> he's got and wind this, magic uh, though. He could figure it out. He could. It feels like he could easily just like push himself off with wind, right? Yeah. He doesn't. So um, <laughs> he's hanging out, and then this young ninja shows up. This guy named Takeda Takahashi, who uh, was trained by Scorpion. Uh, it doesn't really matter. He's just this ninja, and he shows up. And uh, Fujin's like, hey, man, can you help me down? <laughs> Takeda's uh, like, yeah, sure. And uh, so Takeda helps Fujin into Earth's Jinsei chamber, and it heals Fujin and restores his power. And he talks to this ninja, and basically together they figure out that uh, the whole blood magic situation was a contrivance by this guy who uh, is a cleric in a realm called the Chaos Realm, which is basically like if Hot Topic was a realm, everyone's like, Oh, instead of hello, I say goodbye. I uh, think so I think saying, that eating so poop is fun. I'm fucked up and everything's backwards for me. Uh, so you're saying that the realm is very cool and funny? Yeah, it's like really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's cool. Day. It's cool AF. Yeah, man. Like, it's their favorite sick. like the every TV only plays Invader Zim in there. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the uh, like every every moment, somebody in the distance is screaming, "I'm Pickle Rick!" It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty much it. It's like the Pickle Rick dimension, and cool. There's this, this guy Havoc ripped off his face because it was fucked up, and like, what does it like freak you out? I'm not like <laughs> other people. <laughs> oh, dope! Oh, Bacon, that sounds deep. That sounds, yeah, that sounds deep as hell. Oh, yeah, does, that guy, does that guy have poetry? I want to read that guy's poetry. Yeah, he does, and his intention is to use the Kamidogu daggers to make people read his poetry. Oh, that sounds like that sounds dope. That sounds mm-hmm. deep. Yeah, man. So, it's, so, so, uh, so, the, so the king of this realm is Bam Margera, is what you're telling me. Yes, it's the Bam realm. <laughs> oh, um, the Bam realm, Mar- and he wants oh. to conscript everyone into fighting in Margera combat. Oh man, that sounds fun. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, the only soundtrack in the Margera realm is him and CKY. Ah, fuck, I forgot about him. Yeah, uh, I feel like everybody forgot about him. Yeah, what, is yeah, it, now what does him do now? I don't know. Uh, they got buried alive by love, so they're buried, I guess. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that checks out. So but, yeah, Takeda... but, I feel like, but I feel like the background music of this world is definitely just that CKY '96 Quiet Bitter Being song. That guitar loop over and over oh, again. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's just the DVD yeah. menu for the CKY DVDs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Fujin and Takeda are like, we got to stop Havoc. And it's a whole thing. But they do because Havoc's not like a major Mortal Kombat character in any way, shape, or form. Yada, yada. They free Raiden's mind a little bit. But Raiden's still kind of dark Raiden. Um, they stop the whole Kamidogu dagger situation. 
hooray, victory. But then many years later, uh, Shinnok's mom, <laughs> the Titan, <laughs> the Wait, Titan, Shinnok's mom exist before this, or was she? No. Was it like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. This is where Titans got introduced. This is kind of the plot of Mortal Kombat 11. I'm going to spoil it for you a little bit. Yeah, go nuts. So uh, years later, Shinnok's mom, Kronika, who is the Titan of Time, so she create she controls all of time. She comes to Earth. And she's pissed. She doesn't like that Raiden made his own timeline. She certainly does not like that her son was killed in this timeline and actually now lives as a just a severed head that's like a, in a vegetative state um, forever. She, she doesn't like any of that. So she comes down and says, wait, like, I'm going to erase. Wait, she's a severed head or Shinnok? No, 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 no Shinnok is. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shinnok is. Oh, God. She's like, what did you do to my son? She's like, my boy, my beautiful boy, I cannot yeah, yeah. abide by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she comes down to Earthrealm uh, to basically erase all of time and create her new timeline of her own. Um, she comes to Fujin and says, Fujin, will you help me create a new timeline? And Fujin says, no. So she zaps Fujin no, to a... No, why are this, you asking me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you know how much I mess up? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 don't. I don't want to do that. So she huh. sends Fujin to this place called The Void, and uh, she enacts, like, this whole plan to create a new timeline. It involves pulling people out of the past, using people in the present who don't ha- who aren't happy with their lot in life in this timeline. It's a whole clusterfuck. Um, and at the end of the day, she fails. A uh, version of Liu Kang that she brought back from the past manages to defeat her and kill her and actually become the new con- person who controls time. So I, 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 have, I have a question. Yeah. Um, when she decides to like pull people from the past and the present into a new timeline, is there a tournament involved? There's not a tournament per se, but there is a lot of uh, people having to fight one on one to decide who can uh, advance in the storyline. Oh, so so it's, there's a tournament. You're describing a tournament. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a narrative bracket. It's like there's a it's More like there's a so tiered than it system. Is like a competitive and, yeah. bracket. Yeah. Oh, got it, got it, got it. So yeah, it's an implied yeah. tournament. It's not an it's not an explicit tournament. It's an implicit tournament. It is an implicit tournament. Mm-hmm, got it. Mm-hmm. And she loses in the final bracket of that tournament against Liu Kang. <laughs> Great. Who who's now going to be able to control the hourglass of time and the sands of time within and create a new timeline? Except he can't. Because he doesn't have the tool that Kronika had, her crown, which was destroyed when he killed her. But he doesn't find that out until three people emerge from the void to warn him. And those three people are Fujin, Shang Tsung, who what? also refused to aid Kronika, and Nightwolf, who uh, didn't really become a part of this narrative in this timeline until... I mean, he was a huge part of the beginning of this timeline. He disappeared for a while, and now he's come back. Yeah, he was just chilling. I get it. He was chilling in the void because she came yeah. to him and was like, hey, man, do you want to be a part of my timeline? And he was like, no, you're clearly evil. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you have a crown. What else do you yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really trust crown people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Nightwolf, uh, Shang Tsung, and Fujin emerge from the void and say, Liu Kang, stop. You can't make your new timeline yet. You don't have the crown because you fucked up and destroyed it when you killed Kronika. And Liu Kang is like, damn, you're right. Um, and so basically Liu Kang has to hold down the sands of time while Fujin, Nightwolf, and Shang Tsung form an uneasy, arguably deadly alliance. 
do okay do they call it a deadly alliance what is their name do they have a, a, a Shang Tsung does call it that while basically looking at camera and everyone else is like what and he's like, never mind don't <laughs> hey, worry yeah about where it. yeah where are you looking where are you yeah. you're just looking in, in at that wall yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but they basically have to travel into the past, which was the story of Mortal Kombat 11, because this is part of an expansion to Mortal Kombat 11's storyline. Uh, they have to travel through the story of Mortal Kombat 11 to try to yoink Kronika's uh, crown and bring it back to their present to give it to Liu Kang. Yeah, I mean, this does feel like downloadable content because it's just like we've it added does. three new characters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's also Shiva. Uh, and RoboCop were added in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like you need RoboCop's help for all this. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RoboCop, arguably not a part of the storyline, although he was randomly added to... You fight a random assortment of bad guys at the end of the story mode, and uh, RoboCop was thrown into mine. There's a Terminator at some point. Terminator's in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. I was in the Terminator DLC. They put my name in there. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that, and I was very happy it was for tight. you. It's tight. Yeah. Yeah. It's big for me. So I guess, um, uh, yeah, didn't you didn't you get, like, killed by Terminator or something? Yes. I'm on a list of people that were murdered by the Terminator. <laughs> uh, so I'm I mean, now canon in both Terminator and Mortal Kombat lore. Uh, I guess, do you, do you feel like you put up a fight against Terminator at all? Do you no. feel like it was just no. an immediate, he just shot yeah. you in the face and you were dead? I think I was, like, at a bar, and he just started firing wildly into the bar, and I, 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 I died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was cool. a national news story that people got over like four hours after it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there were a couple. Of, Shang Tsung did a couple of hearts and prayers tweets, and then yeah. uh, and then they forgot about it immediately. It's just it. like done. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, Sufyan can write a story about me one day. Um, yeah, give me, I, think give me a you, I think you deserve it. Yeah. Uh, so Fujin goes back in time, appears to pass Raiden, and says, "Hey, I need your help. We've got to get Kronika's crown." And Pass Raiden sees him hanging out with Shang Tsung and is like, well, you've clearly gone insane. I have to kill you, Fujin. Fujin's like, are you fucking kidding me? This shit again? And so he has to fight Raiden again because in this timeline, Raiden's been corrupted by carrying around Shinnok's amulet all this time. But eventually, he does manage to help Raiden realize, you've lost your mind. You got to help us get Kronika's crown. So Raiden and Fujin team up. They go to get Kronika's crown. They successfully yoink it. But then... Who Wait, are they guessed? a deadly alliance? Are they a deadly alliance too, or just a regular alliance? It's like a deadly alliance within a deadly alliance. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they yoink the crown, and then immediately Shang Tsung says, "Boom! Fuck the deadly alliance and your deadly alliance. I'm my own alliance." And he turns on Raiden and Fujin, and uh, basically consumes their god power, and uh, pretty much kills Fujin. And uh, Shang Tsung is about to trick everybody and become the Warden of Time until Uh, Liu Kang successfully defeats him and is finally able to use the crown to create a new timeline. And that's kind of where things left off. We don't know what's in store for Fujin in this new timeline. Does he even exist? Uh, Wow, I've got so many questions. Mm Mm-hmm. Mainly, we'll say that as yeah. a trusted ally to this version of Liu Kang, I am sure Fujin is allowed to exist. I'll also say that in this timeline, it is implied through the not-canon ending of Fujin's arcade ladder in this game that all he really wants is to live as a human being and have a family and be like a regular blue-collar person. I get that, especially mm-hmm. like him doing the play, play, 
the pray love thing around the world yeah. he probably like realized hey humanity ain't so bad and maybe it's something i'd be better at <laughs> yeah because i'm clearly not great at this other stuff no no um so yeah i think uh my best guess is that Liu kang creates this new timeline and gives fujin that lifestyle he always wanted makes him a normal mortal man and hopefully allows him to enjoy his life. Uh, I hope that he makes him a normal mortal man and then still makes him fight in Mortal Kombat yeah. tournaments. Yeah, that'd be pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for him to be a part of any of the future games, that's what would have to happen. So. Yeah, and he's just like he's just like wearing like a button-up shirt and a tie, and he's like, "I work in an office. Please stop. <laughs> Please don't." Yeah, I can't uh, heal myself if I break a, li- a limb. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, just like he does the, that's like there's a Mortal Kombat. He gets punched in the face, x-ray punch, his jaw is shattered. And then he just goes like, oh, God, please call an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Please. I don't have yeah. any special abilities. <laughs> yeah. Or health insurance. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he gets a job where he has health insurance, but uh, it would really depend on what country he winds up in. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. Liu Kang could really F him there. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully Liu Kang doesn't. Hopefully Liu yeah. Kang drops him into like, just like some Norway kind or something, like... some kind of country with good healthcare. Yeah, like or a so- like, like a, a socialized healthcare. Like Canada would probably be good. Like a twenty forty eight version of America that's actually become like a socialist state of some kind and like provides yeah. for its people. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, Liu Kang could really he could really be a dick to Fujin in this situation if he wants to. He could. It's all it's all up to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's it. That's Fujin's story. Any uh, any thoughts on Fujin as um, a person? Uh, I think that Fujin seems like you know he seems like a lot of people, and that he's like a nice guy that kind of like got born into this situation, and he doesn't really want to try that hard. He's like, you know, he seems like a uh, just a guy that kind of like buffooned his way through Mortal Kombat, and you mm-hmm. know, I appreciate that. Like, I think that the Paul Blart comparison was like pretty spot on. Yeah. He's just doing his best, and he wants to, like, live a life of no responsibility. And, eh, I get that. Sure. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be unburdened from having to always need to solve all of the world's problems? Yeah. But that said, he did spend, the story they're describing me, he did spend 70% of that story living in a crawl space. Yeah, and <laughs> so trying like, to avoid it, even though it yeah. was his responsibility. <laughs> so it's like... It's, you know, I mean, it's not like he was, like, working hard anyway. No, he's hardly working. Oh, yeah. yeah he feels like the, uh, I forget his name, but the, um, the, the, the British prince that recently kind of, like, stepped down from the crown. I think that was, like, Prince William? The artist formerly known. Oh, yeah. Uh, prince Harry. Yeah, Prince Harry. Yeah, yeah. That felt like a very Prince the Harry, Harry like, guys, yeah. I'm tired of dealing with this. Can I just be a, a normal? <laughs> I just yeah. want to live in Vancouver and eat Vancouver pizza and poutine. Just let me do that. Yeah. Fujin's a poor little rich boy. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Actually, I don't get that. I grew up very poor, so fuck yeah, that. Yeah, no, I don't I don't I wouldn't say I get that, but uh hey, look. Again, I guess it's it, he's he's generally good. Yeah, he's But he could definitely try harder. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say he's trying his best, but then I was like, no, that is absolutely not true. Yeah, yeah, it's not he's definitely not trying his best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's probably better for everybody if he didn't have responsibility. Yeah. So like making taking away his powers and making him a human and not making him in charge of everything is probably better for everybody. I think so. I think so, yeah. 
But you know, it is what it is. That's the Fujin story. Uh, and I gotta say, a lot of Mortal Kombat characters have a pretty similar path. They just keep fucking up over and over and over again. It's a very Sisyphusian uh, mythology as a whole for kind yeah. of everybody, which yeah. makes sense in in a story about um, endless cycles of uh, people trying to endlessly wind up in cycles of violence because there's an original sin of all of our reality and everything we have in our entire lives being the part of uh, a single being being hacked up so that it could serve as a universe for us to live inside of. Um, I want to see in Mortal Kombat 12 them uh, add in a new character that's just a therapist mm. who's just like, like, so it's basically them being like, we've got to break the cycle of violence. Baraka, tell me about why you have blades in your hands. <laughs> and then that's the last Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, every, I would like to fa- see that. Every fatality is replaced with a friendship. Uh, yeah. It's great. Maybe that's the ultimate uh, life for for this podcast is that I just find the voice actors of every uh, Mortal Kombat character. I mean, Baraka's voice actor uh, also plays Mondu in Kipo, so... <laughs> Great. It wouldn't be too hard to get him on board, and, uh, and we just do some therapy sessions and just talk it out. Honestly, that would be... You should do that as, like, season four of this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is you season get... four, so I'd have to cancel this oh. season. Yeah. So are you saying I should just throw this episode out? Look, if it gets me uh, 40 hours of Mortal Kombat characters in therapy, I'll I'll take the L. Okay. I feel like maybe I would have to do I would have to do an episode uh, with every character for the show to then give to the person who'd be playing that character on the next evolution of the show to understand them because I don't think that there's any other literature out there doing this work for Fujin, yeah. for Baraka, yeah, yeah I, I think we're doing important work, you know? We are. Yeah. Inarguably. We are objectively yeah. doing important work on the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you cannot argue on the the good that we're putting into the world mm-hmm. by talking about Mortal Kombat for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's it for Fujin's story, uh, which leaves us with one last segment on the show. A segment I like to call Choose Your Destiny. Joey, it's a segment in which I ask you, if you were to exist, now that you know about all these many realms, about the lore of uh, the kind of spine of what Mortal Kombat is, uh, the different factions and twists and turns and timelines that take place in this world, Joey, if you were to exist in Mortal Kombat, who would you be? Who's who's an original character? Who is the Joey Clift of Mortal Kombat? Uh, Who's the Joey Clift of Mortal Kombat? So are you saying what... Uh, like what pre-existing character I am or like what would I be if I was in? Yep. Uh, So I think that I'm somebody where I'm a comedy writer who's five foot uh, 10, who weighs about 130 pounds. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm somebody that would get added to the Mortal Kombat tournament because there's a different Joey Clift from another realm that's a good (laughs) fighter. And they got my name, and they like just picked the wrong one. And I'm like, guys, stop! Right, (laughs) they were looking uh, for Joey Clift from the Brutal Realm, a realm where everybody has their blood on the outside and is unbelievably strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I'm just like, guys, I'm a comedy writer. (laughs) Please stop. You got the wrong Joey, guys. Yeah, yeah. uh, Okay. My my catchphrase will be Jesus Christ. (laughs) 
which I will say, whenever anybody does anything at me. Mm-hmm. And what would your fatality be? Uh, my fatality would be. Uh, I, I don't think that I think that I'm the type of character that they just wouldn't even bother programming a fatality for me. Right, because uh, there's just no way that you could possibly win. Yeah, uh, my fatality is uh, me. Uh, I guess it's like my fatality if we're in like the pit level is me just being like, guys, I got to get out of here, and then just jumping into the pit myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, they had they had those in uh, Mortal Kombat for like one or two games, Harakiris, uh, in which people uh, killed themselves instead or, of losing. Or no, no, no. My fatality would be, uh, would be um, devising a, a very pointed tweet about the person that I'm fighting, and then I'll press post to Twitter... And then the tweet will pop up on screen, and it'll get seven likes. And then, <laughs> and then the uh, person that I'm fighting will pick up their phone, look at it, and then say, "Oh, <laughs> damn, dude, that's perfect." Yeah. So it's a psychological fatality. You you yeah. simply scathe them. They are roasted, yeah. but only emotionally. Yeah, I roast. I lightly. Where a scorpion them on roasts Twitter. people more like physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, great. That, that, yeah, that basically explains it. I call Joey, it. it's a, a great t- answer. A tweetality. Uh, that's what I'll call it. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we say farewell? Uh, no, I guess that like I I haven't really put that much thought into Fujin, but you know what? I'm glad that I spent the time learning about him. Yeah, I don't think anyone put a lot of thought into Fujin, yeah, but I will say Fujin. that now that they've added him to Mortal Kombat 11, he is my favorite character to play as. Oh, He's really? super fun. Yeah, they used the whole wind thing to do some really cool like wuxia fighting moves where like you can run on air, kind of floatier physics than everybody else, and it's 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 pretty tight. I mean, that, that is something that I appreciate about Mortal Kombat characters. Like, I feel like Siren was another one of those where it's like you press up and B and she can fly, and then like she, you know, and it's just Sindel. Like, Sindel, who Sorry, is yeah, a yeah. Siren? Yeah yeah, 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 right, right, yeah. Like Sindel was one of those characters where it's just like there's so many characters in Mortal Kombat. Why can't you like? play with the mechanics just a little bit for everybody Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely fun when they mix things up and people kind of have their own thing going on in this game they also had uh this guy named garris who could rewind and uh manipulate time somewhat for his moves is pretty tight neat so if he took a punch could he rewind it and like take the damage back i don't remember because i don't like playing as him but it (laughs) is uh he does some stuff like that yeah cool kind of yeah it is um cool well, joey thank you so much for coming on the show i know this is a long time coming um and it's weird that we now have to do it remote even though we live in the same city but uh such is the way of the world these days <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, it is weird that like i feel like we could be across the country and still be having the same conversation i don't know yes Sp- space time and space doesn't matter anymore much like mortal Kombat. <laughs> my goal is to record with at least one person not in the United States this season because I feel like at this point, why not? I'm already going to do some episodes with friends in New York because if everyone's recording remotely, why not? Yeah. 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 I'm doing a, uh, I'm really excited. Um, I'm, uh, I mentioned earlier, like I'm a Native American comedy writer. There's only maybe like a dozen or so Native American animation writers with credits. And like, there are a bunch of folks in Alaska. There's some folks in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in a week or so, we're going to do like a big Zoom chat where we just get every native animation writer on a Zoom chat. Because <laughs> we're just oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, like this is probably something that pre-pandemic we wouldn't do because people are all over the place. But now it's like, 
my meetings for my, the job for the show that I'm writing on right now are over Zoom. Like it's like this is over Zoom. We could do anything over Zoom. Like Why not? space space doesn't matter anymore, you know. <laughs> are you gonna have uh, Kelly D'Angelo there? Oh yeah, yeah, Kelly's a friend. Yeah. Road on, road on final on space, yeah. Yeah. So buddy. Cool. I gotta get her on the show sometime soon. Yeah, she's good people. I feel like she I feel like she's got uh, I feel like she's bloodthirsty. She'll love Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I see it for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Joey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find more Joey Clift? Is there anything, uh, any any work that you've got out there right now that people should be checking out? Um, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeyTainment. You can follow me on Instagram at Joey Clift with like five eyes. The reason there are so <laughs> many eyes is that uh, like a 12-year-old took regular Joey Clift. Um, and uh, besides that, um, you know, uh, follow me on social media and check out Antifa Garfield, the meme of the summer that's really changed the summer. nation. Meme of the Summer, and then the, that Sufjan Stevens Project, you can listen to that at uh, soundcloud.com slash r50statesproject. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, other than that, uh, play Mortal Kombat. It's a good game series. Yeah, play, play some Mortal Kombat. Why don't you? Awesome. Well, yeah. uh, thanks again for coming on the show, Joey. Thank you, audience, for listening. And as always, finish him.